0: In a world of Instagram models, nice cars, and perfection, how do you remain authentic and hashtag relatable? On this episode, I invite my friend Andrew Dacus to talk about authenticity in a world that pursues perfection. Welcome to Hashtag Relatable, an honest podcast. I'm your host, JC Kubal. Each episode, I'll be inviting a friend to talk about anything and everything in life. From personal life stories, to fitness and mental health, to hobbies and so much more. Just real people with real life stories that'll have you commenting, hashtag relatable. Welcome to the first episode of hashtag relatable. Uh, We did it guys after bouncing the idea around to a lot of my close friends. Here we are. And I'm so stoked and glad to be doing this first episode with one of my best friends, Andrew Dakis. Welcome to the show, Andrew.
1: Thanks, man. I'm so pumped to be here. I can't believe we're finally making it we, happen.
0: Yeah, we talked about this, what, two, two months ago? Gosh,
1: even three. Well,
0: three months yeah, ago? Yeah, bouncing it around, and here we are, recording the first episode. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I am so glad you're here, and I'm so glad that you're my first guest um, tell us a little about yourself, Andrew.
1: Yeah. Um, so I work and live here in Knoxville. Unfortunately, getting ready to move to the big city, to Nashville, Tennessee, no. at the end of the month. Um, I help run a small startup in Knoxville called Pit Crew. We do mobile auto work, so check us out at getpickcrew.com. Um, that has been an adventure. I, yeah. I went to school, I just graduated from college four years ago now. Yeah. So that wasn't my major business was not an ambition of mine at all until uh got out into the world and transitioned into it about two years ago and it's been such such an awesome experience yeah it has it really been two years
0: yeah, yeah. like i i remember you telling me about it um and almost the end of this yeah. summer will be two okay. years for pig wow yeah, it's crazy yeah. man um so andrew and i was it how long ago did we
1: Dude, Is it 4 years six, ago? 5 years ago? 6 years. 6 years. Dude, yeah. we're old. Yeah. 6 yeah. years? Yeah.
0: Um yeah, so Andrew and I met 6 years ago. It's a it's a really crazy story and we'll tell you about it some other time. Uh, but 6 years ago we met at a uh, a warship event here called Love War. Um and basically I uh, long story short, I talked to Andrew. I gave him this key uh, that has a really significant meaning in my personal journey mm-hmm. um didn't see Andrew for a whole basically a whole year came yeah. back and we reconnected and uh we 've been a really good friends since uh he 's been an incredible part of my personal journey mm-hmm. um and we 've grown a ton together uh and, and so for me it 's awesome to have him here as my first guest mm-hmm. and uh to talk to you guys about um authenticity yeah yeah um it 's a buzz topic buzz topic, yes. Uh, but since this show is called Hashtag Relatable, uh, I'm gonna ask you a series of questions in rapid fire, and you'll just answer them as fast as you can. Okay? Let's do it. Um, favorite color?
1: Orange. Go, balls. Ooh. Oh gosh. <laughs> food. Favorite food? Yes. Ooh. The immediate answer is pizza, but like really bougie pizza.
0: What is bougie pizza?
1: You know, like the... The like Barley's? No, not Barley. <laughs> For those outside of Knoxville, they have no idea what that is. Uh, no, like the Neapolitan, like oven-fired pizza. Not like Domino's. I'm, yeah, I'm kind of Okay, bougie, bougie pizza. Okay, got it. Uh, Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars, easy. Favorite rapper? <laughs> uh, man. The rapper I listen to the most is Drake, and that's probably the widest answer possible. Uh, the, my, fr- <laughs> my, yeah. my favorite rapper, though, is probably J. Cole. I love J. J. Cole. Okay. Yeah. Favorite CrossFit athlete? Wow. Um, Andrew does CrossFit, by the way. What is the guy, the French athlete? Um, I love him, and I cannot remember his name. There's a French athlete. He's he's the top French athlete, and I follow him on Instagram. I can't remember his no name. No idea. Well, I have to look into it. Ricky Girard. That's <laughs> a joke. <laughs> uh, favorite sport? Favorite sport? I am a closet baseball fan. A lot of people think that baseball is boring. I'm also, I'm not a closet golf fan. I'm a very proud golf fan. I grew up playing golf. So I lo- those are both just good sports to chill and yeah. like, watch, you know? Yeah. Uh, favorite animal? Favorite animal? Mm. I love birds. I think it's so cool they could fly. If I could have, that links to like, if I could have a superpower, it would be to fly. So okay. birds are, birds, birds. Yeah. okay.
0: Um, most random fact that you know?
1: Wow. Oh, gosh, this is another local Knoxville fact that comes to (laughs) mind. There's a building right next to I-40, um, near downtown. It's the AT&T building. And that building is the closest building to the interstate in all of Tennessee. Oh, wow, you're right. And there's, like, stickers on it. Like, people, it's a... Tradition that people will put stickers on it. Wow. Okay, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah, but that makes sense when you think about it. It's. I think it's like literally a foot or a foot and a half from the interstate.
0: That is so weird. Okay. Yeah, that is a random fact. Okay, favorite meal.
1: Wow. Um, I love any kind of combination of like rice and really good cooked meat. Okay. I, I love... Um I'm a big fan of different cultures foods. Like obviously China, India, and, and you just you consistently find that rice and meat combination. Yeah. And and all the sure. way through like Latin America too. Right, right. That's so good. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah, I feel like bread is like America's rice. That's right. Is that accurate? Yeah. 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 French is, <laughs>
1: France is right. French yeah. is rice.
0: Um sweet or salty? Salty.
1: Was the dress gold or blue? <laughs> the dress was definitely gold. We okay. first. Favorite movie. Wow. Silver linings playbook. Okay. Favorite person? My wife, Courtney.
0: Favorite Asian person. <laughs> I swear to God, if you say Nate if you say Nate Choi, no offense, Nate Choi. <laughs> JC Cubel. There you go. Perfect. You're That's it. a good answer. Yeah. Nate Choi, you're 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 a close second, okay? <laughs> um okay, so our episode today is about authenticity. Mm. Um, we are living in a world that's extremely polarized um, mm. between authentic and inauthentic, between like pretending to be someone you're not versus being too honest.
1: Mm. Um, what, is it, what does it even mean to be authentic? Mm. You know, we talked, we had this conversation, I guess it was two or three weeks ago when we right. were planning this podcast, talking about it. And I've spent some time thinking about the subject and more. Also, I think we should say at the beginning of this, neither of us are licensed therapists. We are not an expert. We are are talking about authenticity. Literally opinion pieces. Right, for sure. So
0: don't take this That's a good one. Yeah, please don't sue us. Um, (laughs) This is not medical or professional advice. This is just uh, hashtag relatable content. That's right.
1: Um, So... Authenticity. When I think of authenticity, I think of self-awareness. Hmm, yeah, I think of realizing what's in front of you. So taking the day for what it is. Um, a mentor of mine always says that. He says, take the day for what it is. So if you have a problem in front of you, you have a problem in front of you. If you have an, a problem within yourself, you have a problem within yourself. Be honest with yourself. Hey, I struggle with this or I deal with this. I'm not going to try to cover it up with happiness and I'm not going to try to cover it up with sadness like yeah I'm going to be honest that this is an issue and I'm going to reach out to my community or my friends for help I think being honest with yourself is probably on on a personal it's probably the closest definition I can come to like a personal authenticity yeah
0: yeah yeah in this world that we live in of Instagram models nice cars yeah. uh fame social media is it is there even such a thing as being authentic?
1: absolutely Yeah. 100% yeah no I I think I think we see that I'm such a big food fan so I'm probably going to relate things to (laughs) food but we see that in in food culture when people find that everyone wants the authentic 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 that's what I'm looking for (laughs) authentic Mexican dish or the authentic you know whatever it is I think when we find the thing that is true, it sticks out like a sore thumb because we are surrounded by so much bullcrap. Like we are yeah. surrounded by so much inauthenticity that when you mm. see truth and when you see light or what, whatever it is, that authenticity sticks out so bright, right? And it's kind of right. it's kind of undeniable. Sure, yeah, especially within people, man. Like, right?
0: Do you feel like you're you're able to <laughs> to pick up on if somebody's being real or not? Or like authentic or not. Yeah, I think yeah. so.
1: I, I I mean, it depends on the situation. It I also try to like give people the benefit of the doubt and know that I have been inauthentic in a lot of my life. Sure. You know? Yeah. Um, we've all struggled with authenticity at some point. And I think that when I sense that in somebody, I tried to take a step back and realize, Hey, there's probably something deeper going on, whether it's an insecurity right. or some part of the situation that I'm not seeing, you know? So it's not like a, it's not a judgment of them being inauthentic uh, in authentic. I'm having trouble with that word, but it is a noticeable thing. I think for sure. A notice noticeable aspect. for yeah. sure.
0: Yeah. So, you know, we live in a, in a digital age where there is social media. Um, and I know that, like I was saying earlier, there's this huge polarity between being real and presenting this version of yourself that's not real. But is presenting the best version of yourself <laughs> on social media, does that qualify as you being mm. inauthentic?
1: Mm. You know, I was, I was listening to this podcast with Courtney. We were That's my wife. We were on our way back from Asheville this weekend. Um, we were listening to the Tim Ferriss podcast if somehow Tim Ferriss hears this podcast, I'm a hey, huge Tim fan, Truth. shout out. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he was interviewing Brene Brown, which you can't talk about authenticity without talking yeah, about right. Brene Brown. Um, and they were talking about the line between complacency and self-acceptance. Hmm, okay. So, and, and I think this this ties back to social media. It's like, and, and everything we do, especially in like a professional sense are we being complacent by being too self-acceptant? You know what I mean? Like, am I am I giving myself an excuse? Like, for instance, being an Enneagram seven, that means I, I don't like hard conversations. Does does me accepting that about my fat, about myself mean that I have an excuse to never have a hard conversation? Hmm. Absolutely not. So, like me accepting the fact that like a, about myself that maybe I struggle with my weight or I struggle with my image or my sexuality or whatever that is. Does that give me an excuse to never post in, and share with my community anything about it? No, like your community needs that part of you. Your community needs to, to know you, um, especially, I, I mean, obviously there are people who have millions and millions of followers and right. it's not really their community. It's sure. just their fans or whatnot. Right. Um, but for us, I think on a smaller scale, we, the people that follow us on Instagram, genuinely, generally, yeah. care about us, you sure. know, and they want to keep up with our lives. And I think there's this line between sharing what our community n- needs to see and probably what our community doesn't need to see. You know, there. I think there. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it's yeah. like, what is what do the people that care about me need to know? You know, sure.
0: So so how, yeah? Because I mean, there is such a thing as oversharing. Absolutely, um,
1: yeah.
0: And so how do you how do you navigate like what I mean? You know, like yeah. obviously you can tell like your closest friends and and your wife mm-hmm. anything, right? Mm-hmm. But when it comes to being authentic with your community, mm-hmm. we're, I mean, I, I feel like a lot of us, and I think for me especially, sometimes I wonder if the content that I put out is oversharing or if sure. I'm. If I'm sharing too much, right? Sure. Like, am I tiptoeing that border? So how do you, how do you navigate that? How do you mm-hmm. decide if this is oversharing or if this is being authentic? Sure.
1: Yeah, I think the first thought that comes to mind is, as um, an example of Christ, me being a Christian, I pull you know a lot of my reflection and wisdom from the Bible. Um, but we see, I've heard this example a lot of Christ having like multiple circles. So he has like his inner circle, which would be him, the father, you know, the father, the son, the Holy spirit, that's his inner circle. They know everything about each other. They share, like they are one basically. Right. Um, and then he has his disciples and like he shares his pain with them. He shares his joy with them. Like, and then obviously outside of that, he has his his followers, you know, right. people that are not in his inner circle but they you know, want to know about his life and they want to hear his words or whatnot. So he's not sharing his pain and his deepest concerns with them mm-hmm. um on a public basis, but but he is sharing his life and, and cer you know, certain ways he's living with them. So I think that's one of the things I think about is and I think I think we also have to be aware of where people are um in our community, where they are in their lives. You know, if they're in a poisonous place right now, whether that's like depression or um, job pain or relationship pain, whatever that pain is, I think we just have to be aware of that and be like, is this someone I can lean on right now? Not because they're not your closest friend or they don't care about, but is there someone else I can draw on in my life? Because that person who's hurting at the time probably needs more of a solid structure for, you know, for what's going on in their life. So I think that's, I think it's an awareness of what's around you and realizing and being, and it goes back to the whole authenticity thing of like being real with yourself and with your community, you know, and understanding where people are and where they're at at the time. So just
0: being aware of what you can can and can't share with whomever, Mm -hmm. right? You know, Mm -hmm. and and it's interesting that you mentioned that because, um, you know, my last two years of life have been crazy, mm-hmm. and you you've been there from the very get go of that whole entire season yeah and um and you you mentioned like not leaning into people too much or depending on where they're at in life mm-hmm. and uh i you're very strategic about that in our friendship mm-hmm. right um you never ever made me feel like you weren't including me in your life mm-hmm. um but you definitely realized what you' Uh, your responsibility or your role was at that time, which yeah. was to essentially be a caretaker, yeah. right? essentially yeah. to be uh, somebody there that I can lean into it. because you realize that I ha- didn't have the capacity to have anybody else lean into me, right?
1: Exactly, and that's what community and friends are about. Like that, That's what our social circle is about, is if we think that we're going to be able to lean on someone every day for the rest of our lives, we're wrong. Like right. People are going to go through stuff. Yeah. We're going to have months, maybe even years, where we're in the dumps, you know, whether we could be grieving or mourning a death, and we could be there for, you know, right. years. Yeah. And that's not a place I'm going to go lean on, because they need to be able to lean on me. Sure. You know, so I'm going to include them in my life. I'm going to tell them about things that are going on, and I'm going to be there and be available for them. Sure. But that's not going to be the person that I'm going to go throw all my crap on right, at the right. time, you know? Right, yeah. That's not gonna, that's not caring for them at all, right. you know.
0: Yeah, and and I feel like people, especially in in friendships, they misconstrue that just because you're not sharing every detail or aspect of your life, that you're not being authentic or you're not being a close friend with them. Sure, right?
1: Sure. Yeah. And I, I think that just takes it. It all goes back to the self awareness thing. I think that it takes an understanding to say, you know what, I love this person i care about them but they probably don't need this in their life
0: right now you know yeah um it's interesting to see how culture and society has gone from one extreme to another from Mm. uh you know like i said that huge polarity where people are presenting this image of being perfect and fame and Mm. you know plastic surgery kim kardashians Mm. all that stuff and then um and now people are also you know going towards uh authenticity and they're they're pushing authenticity but mm-hmm. now um, it's it's kind of ironic because it's fake authenticity right mm-hmm. people are using marketing as um, or authenticity as a marketing ploy uh, to connect with others mm-hmm. uh, what do you feel like that says about our society right now
1: <laughs> uh, America will sell anything it can yeah you know like right. we yeah. have we, we are the capitalist capital of the world, right. and we love it. And we will – like, you, you give us ice, and, and I know people say this all the time, but we'll sell it to an Eskimo. Like, we are, we are such fighters as Americans, you know? Like, we are the bootstrap story, per se. And and I, I think it's, it's everywhere. It's a human thing, too. But I, I generally run – I think about Americans first. Whereas, like, man – People, we like you said, we live in this polarized world where we're on our phones all the time. We're staring at screens yeah, and we become isolated. Like we sit and we stare at our phones for so many hours. I, I wish, it, I'm so scared to share the hourage that, you know, yeah, your yeah. iPhone sends you. Yeah, you can hey, you've been on out. your phone for like five hours today. And right. Like, yeah. Holy shit. That's yeah. n- like 19 hours of the day. I was doing other things. But for five of the 24 hours, I'm looking at a screen. Right. And so what that does is that pulls us out and it separates us from socialness. For, right. From being social. Socialness yeah. is not a word. From being social. <laughs> like, and so the bigger and bigger the separation gets, the more and more we move towards our addiction of our screens, right. the mm-hmm. more and more we forget how to do... The social aspect.
0: So how do you see that separation causing a rise in the marketing of authenticity?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's basically people have realized the separation that they're going through. Like, everyone knows I'd rather spend less time on my phone or devices. Like, my life just tends to be more full and experiential and adventuresome when I'm not on my phone. And so people are like, holy crap. I've got to be more authentic. I need to be I need to be more me. I need to be more true to myself. I need to be more real. Yeah. Um and so we have these, you know, power speakers and Instagram influencers who are promising authenticity, which is kind of a paradox. It's like you have this this person who maybe they're living an authentic life, but they're trying to sell authenticity and Authenticity can't be sold. It's yeah. it's it's not something you sell. It is it's a journey, like it truly yeah, is. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like any authenticity that I have now in my life has taken years to get to. Sure. Years of recovery of the trauma that I faced trauma that I've experienced in my like future life, my childhood, my future life, my past life, my childhood, any trauma or experiences that have like caused me to want to be something I'm I'm not. Right like I, you have to walk through that. And everyone has their own journey of yeah. walking through those those pains and those experiences to come to their authentic, true self. Right. You yeah. know, whatever that looks like for them. And, and that kind of even goes back to your question about like, how am I sharing too much on social media? And I, I think the answer is that it's going to look different for every single sure. person. Like yeah. I am the most outgoing, outgoing extrovert of all time. So I'm going to share more than someone who's more reserved and like only trust you know their core friends, I don't think there is like a correct answer for that right you know uh, it was interesting
0: how you were talking about how um it seems like we have to fight for authenticity, right like yeah. and I think that has a lot to do uh, with we're, how we're raised in society mm-hmm. um, and then uh, there's this it's interesting because like the last month or so I've been hearing this word deconstruct mm-hmm. a lot, and that's the first time i've really Heard that phrase is like deconstructing my faith or deconstructing my identity, um, and I think uh, it's interesting because it, we are fighting to be authentic, mm-hmm. and and you talked about this journey, and I and I and I resonate with that because I've had to uh, go through that journey myself to become the the realest version of myself. Um, why do you think we have to fight to be to be our
1: our real selves? Yeah. I, well, one, I think you nailed it with like the word deconstruct and I, and I, maybe that is a buzzword because people are starting to realize and like opening their eyes to that. But we have built these walls in our life as protection. Like, like I talked about that past trauma, you yeah. know, whether that, like for me personally, uh, a parental divorce, um, you know, whether it's sexual abuse or, you know, a number of traumas that are just like heinous and evil, right. but we as people build these walls and we make like. I love, I was thinking about the book Scary Close by Donald Miller. Oh, yeah, that is a great book. Just yeah. Such so, an awesome yeah, book. Such a good book. Because he talks about these circles that we've like put around our life where we have our, ourselves. It's like an embryo, you yeah. know, in the very center is the true self. And then we put this next circle around us of protection, and then a circle around that of protection, and then a circle around that. So it's like impossible to get through those layers Mm. to find out what you truly care about or what you truly think about a topic because we're reflecting all of our experience back on that question. Right. You know, like I am going to answer every question you give me through the lens of a white American male who's you know, a millennial, like, right. All my experiences have built up my answers and my truth. And so I think deconstructing my identity as those demographics. Sure. Or, and then even further, like, so that might be your innermost circle. And then your, your second circle will be your experiences or whatever, like deconstructing all of those so that I can say, okay, what do I really believe about this? Like in my heart. Hmm. What what do, what do and for me as a Christian what do, what do I feel like the Lord is saying to me in that moment and what does He say about me as a person you know because if I'm looking at that it's chosen love ex- chosen loved accepted you know right it's nothing else nothing sure. less yeah. not nothing more that's who I am you know and so when we look at our experiences that's not what our experiences say about us you know they say battered ruined, gross, disgusting, yeah. awkward, whatever it is. And so I think deconstructing those lies from the world takes work. A yeah. lot a lot of work. A lot of painful work. Yeah. You know? And oh man. Back to that Brene Brown podcast. She was she said something like people say like will come into her office all the time and say they don't want to deal with it right now. And she's like, you may not think that you want to deal with it, but you are dealing with it. So whether you deal with it in a negative way or you do the hard work and deal with it in a positive way is the choice. You know, like I'm reflecting my pain day in and day out, regardless. Hmm. You know, whether I choose to be honest with that pain and see it for what it is and deal with it through my community, through my faith, through whatever it is, that that is that's the choice to fight for authenticity, like you talked about.
0: Yeah, I think it, like you were saying, it's it's gotten to the point to where the, the real question when you're deconstruction, re, where you're deconstructing your identity, is basically, uh, who am I versus mm-hmm. who everybody else has told me to be. Absolutely. Um, and in this world where we are constantly bombarded with uh, with influential or influences from you know politics. And from people Mm. and from, you know, social media, whatever the works, it, it's just, it just gets loud, you know? And I think Mm. the reason I've heard that word deconstruct so many times is because we've all bought into this idea that we have to be who the world tells us. Mm -hmm. And I think us as millennials now are coming to the realization that we don't. Um, And I think we're all learning to take our voice back and to take our identities back and, and, because it's too
1: exhausting to do anything different. Sorry, to interrupt, right? Yeah, but it's you're like, right. It's exhausting it to keep up the ploy. Well, our parents did it.
0: Yeah, our pa- our parents did it. Our grandparents did it. And I think somewhere along the way, we just realized, no, I don't have to do this shit. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I, like you guys may have done that twenty years ago, thirty years ago, but like I'm not doing that shit for the rest of my life. Sure.
1: Yeah, and to like move away from that generalization of saying, you know, like our parents are. Yes, they probably did trend more towards that inauthenticity or like dealing with that. But I think it's just the culture that we are in where it's like, we are so exhausted by social media. And like you talked about politics and, and whatever else is in the face of it, where we feel like we have to consistently fight and have our mind made up. Yeah. Like we have to know our stance on every issue. Right. And we, and, and those build our identity. So, am I left or am I right? Am I gay or am I straight? Right. Am I, you know, what, you right. know, pro? What's the uh, pro life parade? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like whatever it is, yeah. I have to be certain about it because that is who I am. Right. And that's so that's so polarizing. It's so um, fake. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's wrong to to know what you believe and care about yeah. and have stances on things, but when that is who you are and everything is black and white, and there is no room for gray, you're lying to yourself. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree, because it's
0: for, for me, it comes down to people act like you can't still think about where you're at. You know, like, my sexuality, like, even though I identify as bi, I'm closer to identify more as gay, but, like, I'm still in the process of understanding how that uh relates to my faith and we've been talking about this forever yeah right and so like if somebody had asked me if i think i'm going to hell uh because i'm gay Mm -hmm. like i I wouldn't know how to answer that question Mm -hmm. and they'd be like well jc you've been communicating this and communicating that Mm -hmm. like that makes you inauthentic Mm -hmm. and i call bullshit on that because i think i think everybody has a right to figure out what they believe in and they have to process Mm -hmm. that as long as i'm not here forcing Mm -hmm. you know my belief onto you then i feel like i should have the room to to figure that out you know what i mean like just because i mean i grew up technically very uh very right or left wing or no right wing my parents were very conservative and um i I don't necessarily identify with that right but like that upbringing doesn't necessarily define who I am today, but it did make me, it did build on the foundation of how I look out on life, right? Absolutely. And so, I don't know, I just think people, like you said, black, this whole black and white thing where you have to have a yes or no, or this or that, I think that doesn't leave room for authenticity. For
1: sure. percent right? There's no room for process. And and I know we had talked about this in our planning meeting um, with the the uh, the clip of President Obama talking about the woke culture, yeah, yeah, um, and I thought that was so wise. I thought it was so smart, and I'm sure we'll put the the link in the uh, podcast file. But yeah, the president was talking about how we have built this culture where we think that activism is picking a side and throwing stones at the other side. Hmm. We think that making a difference means burying ourselves in our decision so we are you know i'm left-wing or i'm pro-choice or i'm pro-life or whatever and we are in those and then we take everything which generally today looks like social media mm-hmm. and just blasting the other side with it right to the point of you know dehumanizing them. Yeah. Like we see it all the time. Yeah, I, all hate the, it. I So hate much it. dehumanization on yeah. social media because there is no room to figure anything out anymore. You're not allowed to be in the process. You're not allowed to think about things. You're not, you have to have your stance and you have to be ready to throw stones at someone. And if you haven't made up your mind, you're ignorant. Right. You know, and I think there are some issues that you know, maybe there is less leniency on than others, you know, maybe some things that like when you deny facts, sure. You know, that I think that there is less, definitely a less of a mainstream leniency. I think for me, I have been at so many ignorant places in my life. Sure. Like, Similar to you, grew up in a very conservative house, um, and just everything was black and white to me growing up. Yeah, you know everything was one way or the other. And I think the closer that I draw to myself, and the closer that I draw to Christ, yeah, things become so much more gray. Right. The older I get, there's not a case study for everything. No, you know know what I mean. Like you can't just look at it and be like oh, you know what? This person's dealing with this. This is the answer. Right. Because in my belief, God has like created all of us in his image perfectly yeah. and uniquely, which yeah. means we're not all the same, but we're all beautiful and we're all perfect. And you're yeah. like, whoa. Yeah. So I think we have to give space for ignorance. Sure. And we have to give space for learning. And we have to give space for time. We that yeah. we have to we have to make space for decision making. Yeah, and, and being able to just process that,
0: because like we were saying, like your these identities and these beliefs and these social constructs are put on us, and you know we go through that process of deconstructing those things, and now we're in this place to where we have to make a decision: yes or no, hmm. white or black. You know, it's like. Like we're constantly having having to fight for being ourselves, Mm -hmm. but yet still answering to
1: the other person, right? Yeah, Um, which is crazy to me. Wow. Yeah. So so you think about that in like a very specific answer, and it's like, okay, I in my body, let you know feel this way about an issue. It, It just like hurts me to lean. We're gonna use right or left it's going to hurt me to lean right, but everyone is telling me in my body that I have to lean left. Yeah. Or vice versa, you know, like in my soul, I know I should, I, I want to believe left on this situation. Right. But everyone's saying, you've got to believe right. You have to, you have to, you have to. Right. You know, so there's no room for us to ruminate. There's yeah. no room for us to debate.
0: Right. You know? Yeah. And so, you know, we're talking about this process of deconstructing and becoming our authentic self. Like, what does that what does that process look like?
1: Hmm. Silence, a lot, a lot
0: of silence. I, that's what it's looked like in my life. You silence about like from others, or like sil- putting your place in a, in a place of silence, or putting yourself in a place yeah, of silence.
1: Yeah, yeah, both. Like, truly, I think getting quiet with yourself on a daily basis. I, my mind is one that is constantly racing. Yeah. Constantly racing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm 26 years old. I'm not still going through puberty. (laughs) Um, My mind is one that is constantly racing. And so it is imperative that I get silent every single day. Mm. If like I don't make space to just be quiet and sit and meditate I'm going to go crazy for the day. Like, I have to. And then in a social aspect, in conversation, learning to be silent. Like, we are so intoxicated with our voices, our own voices. <laughs> yeah. And, and I say that right. speaking to myself. Sure. I love okay. hearing myself talk. I love hearing myself be wise and smart and saying cool things. Like, we're making a podcast. <laughs> we like hearing ourselves. Yeah, right, you know what I yeah. Mean? And so, I think shutting up and listening to what the person across from me has to say and hearing their story and hearing their experiences, we might just learn that it's like we've been talking about, that it's not all black and white. Yeah, And and I'm all speaking this from a personal experience standpoint of yeah. failing at that and having to go back to the drawing board time after time again. And so back to your question about like, how, how do we foster authenticity? I think that looks like just being silent, being, you know, practicing meditation On a regular basis, getting quiet for me as a Christian, getting quiet with the Lord, returning to Scripture, Mm -hmm. and then being quiet in social settings. Yeah. And obviously, that's not just like never speaking and talking up, but I think I used to have this belief in my life that the most passionate person in the room was the loudest person in the room. Right. And that idea has been so deconstructed now. Yeah. And... That volume equals passion could, yeah. could not be more of a lie. Yes, there are a lot of passionate people who are loud. Right. But there are very passionate people about many issues who mm-hmm. listen and stay silent and speak when spoken to or speak when they feel the need to. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Authenticity... This is going to link to another thing. Doesn't always look like just screaming and speaking up. And yelling. yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, it takes silence. It takes being able to learn. And we're lying to ourselves if we think, you know, for people like you and I, in our late twenties, that we have to know it all. Like, yeah, <laughs> we, we don't. We have to. Make, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We have to make space for silence. Yeah, in conversation and in our personal lives. Yeah,
0: I, I think for me, it's it's been giving myself permission. To not have to have the answer, yeah. right? Um, you know when people mm-hmm. talk about like current events or politics or whatever it is, I I do my best to not take to not take everything at face value, and yeah. I just take everything with a grain of salt. And I will if I care about something or I have a question about it, I will research the subject myself. Yeah. You know, because like there's so much news out there that's just buzzworthy or just meant sure. to like instill fear or it's fake news, whatever it is. But you know, there's this concept of there's so much sheep out there. Like, people don't have the um, have the ability to think for themselves anymore. Sure. And so, for me, it's come down to, like, do I really believe this or do I really accept this? Um, and being okay with not necessarily knowing the answer right away. I mean, I've identified as gay for five years now and I still don't know <laughs> if it's okay. And I, sure. I'm probably going to get a lot of stones thrown at me for that. But I'm fucking allowed to be in process. Yeah, and I'm yeah. allowed to... To decide that for myself yeah. if I if I think that this yeah. aligns with my faith you know yeah. or if it does or doesn't whatever that looks like but it's okay to not know the answer sure because yeah. I don't have a gun pointing at my head <laughs> saying is it yes is it yes or no you know um so how do we foster uh you know we talked about vulnerability you have to be vulnerable we talked about this in our in our meeting uh you need vulnerability to foster uh authenticity yeah so how do we in our own communities uh create a space um that can foster that vulnerability Hmm. like as like so do you remember um when i came back and the first place we went to uh we got lunch we got brunch at um first watch sure and we were sitting there, we were eating, and I basically told you I was gay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was super nervous about it, you know, and uh, and I mean, but there has never and our our friendship has been such an incredible part of my life, and I've sure. never ever felt the uh, the need to be inauthentic with you. I mean, I have you have been with me through the ringer, like oh, yeah. there is some like I mean, you've seen me literally at my worst, yeah, and um. And I've never ever felt like I needed to hide anything from you. So h- how do you feel or how did you communicate to me that mm. that I could always be my authentic self?
1: That's that's a phenomenal question. Because truthfully, I was learning it on the fly. It's like... Yeah. If we go back to my demographics as sure. a straight white male, like, I don't know your experience. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. As a gay Asian male, yeah. I, I, don't, I, I don't know anything about the shoes that you've walked in. I don't know about the pain that you have and take away your sexuality, your color, and even your gender as a human. I don't know what you've been through. Sure. Like let's, let's not add the demographics before we realize that I don't, I don't even know what you went through yesterday. You know what I mean? Without those. And so I think keeping all that in, I think I just had to learn how to take a step back and say, I don't know how I feel about this subject. You know, I haven't made up my mind per se on this subject. Like, but I know I love JC as a human and I know that I care about his story and I care about his friendship. And so I'm just going to show up. Like, I think that's, that's what like fosters vulnerability and makes it easier is consistently showing up. Yeah. You know, you're not going to open up to someone that's never in your life. Right, right, right. You're like, you're like who are you? Yeah, yeah. You don't deserve, you, you know, I, I'm going to reference scripture because I can't help it, but First Timothy, like Paul talks about, we didn't come to share the gospel only, but we came to share our lives also. Hmm. Like, yeah, we came to live and dwell among you and you know what? If we get the chance to like, tell you about Jesus, then come on, like, we'll do it. But I care about you as a person. And, right. it, and like, I think that's so essential to vulnerability is, like I said, being silent and saying – and giving you the space to tell me your story and consistency. Yeah. I'm going to show up time after time, even when it doesn't make sense to me or I don't understand or I don't – if your exper- experience scares me, I think that's where a lot of people run. It's like, mm. whoa, this experience is different for me. I don't know how I feel about it, so I'm going to run away as fast as I can. Right. And I think yeah. that is weakness. Yeah. Like, like, if you are running away because your religion or whatever, like, your religion's not strong enough. Right. You know what I mean? And I just think that there's, there's strength in showing up and willing to see something different than you, yeah. And saying like, I'm going to learn from this,
0: right? Yeah. Um. So you were talking about when it's an experience or something that you're scared of. Um, you were the first person I went to when I was assaulted. Hmm. Um, and it was a rough 24 72 hours. Hmm. How? how and I know that it was probably not something you had dealt with before. Sure. I mean, both of us hadn't dealt sure. with that, and, and Marlon hadn't either. Um, shout out, Marlon. Shout out to Marlon. Um, uh, how did, you, what was going through your mind during that time, and how were you able
1: to just like be there? Yeah, I think I one I had never experienced that trauma exactly, but I had experienced friendship trauma before, and. And I've experienced personal trauma, right? And being like, "Gosh, more than anything, I just want someone to sit next to me, right? I don't want them to talk, (laughs) I don't want them to bring me answers. Like, I just need someone to hold me and to listen, yeah, and let me process this." And so I think when you texted me or, or called me about it, yeah, it was like, "Oh my gosh," my heart just immediately hurt, yeah. Like I don't care. I don't care about fault in this situation. Sure. I don't care really about what happened at all. I just know that you're in pain. Right. And I know that I love you. Yeah. And that's what true friends do. Like you just show up. Yeah. You know, we're in pain. I need my friend. I show up and I shut up. Yeah. And I listen, you know. And and I think that was so simple for me. Although I was maybe fearful of the situation or like didn't understand it. Right, had never experienced that exact kind of trauma. Sure, but I just put myself in that situation, Mm -hmm. and more than anything, all I would want is someone sitting there right beside me.
0: Yeah, and and I and I felt that. Um, Gosh, because it was just one of those things where I was like, "How do I? How do I respond to this?" Like, Mm -hmm. I literally had this terrible event happen, and had no idea how to to recover from Mm -hmm. that. and I think you just gave me the space uh, to be able to deal with that together, right? Yeah. Like I think I remember sitting there in your old apartment or, or your old house with with Marlon, and you got you were saying you don't have to have it figured all out, but we'll figure this out together. Yeah. Um, and we did, yeah. you know. And I mean, here we are today, almost a year and a half or two years later, and it, I mean. It, that has been a really significant aspect of my life but i've been able to use that for something good mm-hmm. you know and, and like first i want to thank you for being there Brace um Come on. uh to just like to lean into me you know because yeah. I, I like yeah. i if we're going to talk about authenticity like that what your presence and um and and marlon's presence in my life would not have gotten me to where I'm at today. We wouldn't even be having this podcast. Sure, sure. um, I I don't even know where I would be, and I don't even want to think about that. Um, but you made the sole decision to show up, and mm-hmm. to regardless of how shitty and how scary and how un- confusing and daunting that whole experience was, like you, any I needed you, sh- you showed up, and I remember you forced me to put. Um, <laughs> My location service is on, it's so you would know where I'm at, I, at every day. That's I found your
1: house today. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, and I still have it on, and, yeah. and uh, uh, but yeah, and I I think really what it comes down to is to to build authentic relationships and to to create a space of authenticity. You have to give people that space, mm-hmm. like you said, you you know, showing up, but also letting people know that like. Hey, we don't have to have the answers. We'll figure this out together. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, cuz if we're giving ourselves permission to deconstruct, we're giving ourselves permission to not have to decide right away. I think the the biggest aspect of of community and authenticity is being able to give each other the permission to do it together. Yeah.
1: And that, and that's why when I said like, that's what I was thinking about when I said fault. Like, right. I don't care if like you got yourself into this situation right. or you didn't. Like Right. That's not my place. That's not what I'm needed for right now. Right. I'm not needed to be your judge. Right. I'm needed to be your friend. Right. You know. Yeah. So yeah, we'll figure it out when we get there. Right. And we did. Amen. And here we are. <laughs> yeah, doing a podcast.
0: Um. Okay. So we got a couple more, uh, questions. Um. Oh, this is a great one. Uh. <laughs> you, when we were doing our planning, you said there's a fine line between between being authentic. And being an asshole. Um, so That's accurate. so let's 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 dive into that a little bit. Sure. How how are you? How what's the difference between being authentic and what's the difference between being an asshole? <laughs> I th-
1: that statement stemmed out of I think that we are prizing authenticity, like we were talking about selling it earlier. Right. I think we we put authenticity in a place. Where it gives us the right to do and say whatever we want. Sure. You know. Mm, yeah. It, yeah. Am I, I allowed to talk about our president on this podcast? You're what? Am I allowed to talk about our president on this podcast? Sure. Okay. It's a pod- This is America, guys. <laughs> you can talk about anything. I I think we see people had got people had gotten so tired of political establishment, like they had gotten so tired of just a figure. And people are like, man, we want someone who's authentic. We want someone who's real. And so yeah. then we end up with this president who just <laughs> literally says whatever he wants. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't make you authentic. That makes you an asshole. Right. And and I think the difference is, is how are my my words and my... Like, how how is this affecting people? Sure. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to just go up and... Tell someone that, like, authenticity isn't be looking at you and being like, hey, you have, like, a massive zit on your face. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> That's not authenticity. That's just being a jerk. Like, we go back to our original definition of authenticity, of, like, being self-aware. Right. Authenticity is more about us than it is the people around us. Sure. You know? And authenticity, I think, is about loving the people around us from a place of self-awareness and being true to ourselves, Right. And making the people around us better. And if we're just going out swinging at people, that's achieving none of that, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah, I, I don't say all that because hashtag relatable is not taking a political stance. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, like I, yeah, that's right. not what I meant by that. I just meant it's it's the culture that we're yeah. in, you yeah. know what I mean? Like we desire for people to just come out and just start throwing haymakers. Like yeah. but that's not authenticity. Yeah, you're
0: right. That's at just, all. That's just being an asshole. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean I had I remember I told you this, uh I was eating Chick-fil-A one day and I had somebody tell me, JC, like why are you supporting them? <laughs> They're uh anti you know, LGBTQ and I was like fuck off like i, I was it kind of pissed me off because i was like wait so me eating this perfectly fried and seasoned chicken from god makes me less gay mm-hmm. like i i don't yeah. understand how that works like so me eating a fry, like a fried chicken sandwich is me being against sure. what i identify as sure. and i was just like what like no first of all like that's not that doesn't do anything. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. me eating this fried chicken, sure. Like, whatever on that whole entire topic, by the way, because it's, I'm, we're not even going to delve into that. But, um, but that doesn't make me anti gay or anti LGBTQ, like, because I eat a sandwich. Sure. Because uh, the problem is everybody is so for what they're against that nobody
1: knows what they're for. Yeah. Right? And it's a projection of pain, like we talked about. Right. Like, whoever constructed that narrative of, if you're anti-gay, you eat Chick Fil A. that rhymed, man. We're gonna put that in the yeah. <laughs> like, Um Has experienced pain, like right, been mistreated as a queer person, like sure. they. So they see some, like an establishment or you know a product that was made by a long range down the way, you know, belief system. Sure. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa we can't eat that because of the pain that I've experienced. Like, you know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, uh, I think our – let's see. Okay, last question is what is more important, um, to be relatable or to be authentic? Wow.
1: I don't want to step on your podcast. No, idol. dude. No, don't <laughs>
0: step on – yeah, go for it, man. Like, uh, I, f- I
1: feel like you and I have the same answer. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. It's, it's obviously authentic. Right. Like if we're just trying to be relatable to right. people all day long. Yeah. We're not being true to ourselves. Well,
0: I think also, too, being authentic makes you more relatable. Yeah.
1: Right? Exactly. Like, I I think some of the funniest comedians are those who can, like, pick up on small, everyday things that are funny. You know? like The best politicians are those who relate to our lives. Right. You know, the best friends are those who can speak to our pain and our trauma. And so... I think you're right. True authenticity produces relatableness, if that's a word. Relatableness, yeah. I'm sure we're going to sure. use many different Rel- variations relatability. of rela- relatability. Of relatable.
0: I don't know if that's a word. Yeah.
1: yeah. So I, I think by us producing this pro- podcast and you specifically like taking this on is a true testament of authenticity. Sure. Of like, I'm going to show you who I am. I'm going to be true to myself and not going to be a jerk. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But you're going to see it and I know that you're going to relate to it because you're human and you have pain like me. Right. You know? Yeah. And you have flaws like me and you have things that you get excited about like me. Yeah. You're going to relate to my authenticity. So we're going to end the podcast with the ringer
0: question which I am going to ask on every single episode. And you are the first person to answer this question. Um, And the question is, how do you
1: live being hashtag relatable? If I could put a link to see episode one, that would be what we do because that's what it is. Like we will become more relatable as we become more authentic. When people see your pain, when they see your hurt, when they see your joy, hmm. you you become more relatable. Yeah, and I want to know your answer to the question. Oh, yeah. Um, my answer to the question,
0: gosh, uh, yeah, I think it's the same thing. It's just being the most honest version of yourself unashamedly, right? Um, being relatable doesn't necessarily mean you have to have everything in common, right? Uh, you and I don't have, you we barely have (laughs) anything in common, right? (laughs) I mean, maybe CrossFit and you're probably way better at that than I am. And And Jesus. Yeah. yeah. yeah, I mean, but that's probably where it ends, right? Um, but we're really great friends. So having things in common doesn't equate to being relatable. Yeah, I think that just comes as being an honest person uh, and an authentic person and, and being okay yeah. with who you are and presenting that to the world, regardless of if you're in pain or if you're in joy or if you're in a season of celebrating or grieving, yeah. um, being okay with where you're at and and, and showing that to others.
1: Yeah, that's good. Perfect. Uh, So, thanks for having me on. Yeah. uh, So, where can people find you? (laughs) (laughs) At AC underscore Dacus seven. That's D A C U S seven. it's not that exciting on my Instagram. <laughs> it is uh, beautiful my, wife's there. My beautiful wife Courtney yeah. and my dog. Yeah, and that's, that's generally it.
0: And then you're moving to Nashville for Pit Crew. Yeah, right. Yeah. So anybody is it in Nashville and in Knoxville?
1: It is. So our main clientele in Nashville is fleets. Okay. So you know companies with large amounts of vehicles. But in sure. Knoxville, if you are in Knoxville, you can get on our website at www. Com. <laughs> And you can just book a service and we'll show up in your driveway and change your oil. Yeah. And he'll make
0: you a margarita. I'm just kidding. That's a If you're a lie. lucky.
1: He's, he will not make you margarita. That's, that's for the inner circle, people. Perfect.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that is a wrap. Andrew, thank you for coming on this episode and uh, for being my friend and for being hashtag relatable. Truly an honor, man. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Hashtag Relatable, an honest podcast. If you haven't already, follow and subscribe to Hashtag Relatable on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss out on the next episode. Until next time, I'm your host, JC Kubal, and this is Hashtag Relatable.